Welcome to Story Story Night, where you hear true stories on a theme recorded live in Boise, Idaho. I'm your host, Jody Eichelberger. On this podcast, it's a family feud. Our featured storytellers share their stories in the first show of our season, Be In The Game. Braden Stanton and Michelle Crosby shared their stories inspired by the theme Family Feud from our soundstage for an online audience. It's game time and it's story time. We are going to start with our first featured storyteller. This is a young man who his Family Feud, he's kind of the center of it. So please welcome to our stage, Braden Stanton. Good evening, and thank you for welcoming me to the stage, and thank you for having me this evening. Uh, So, yeah, uh, I am kind of the center of the stage of my family feud. My family feud kind of starts back when, all the way even before I was born. So um, my parents, they conceived me and then they split up, uh, mainly because there was a third person involved, and that third person came in a little bit later, and I can go into that a little bit more. Um, But once I was born... And the first five years of my life, I was raised by my mom, and I had some assistance. She had some assistance with her mother as well. And eventually she got on her feet and moved into a house and had a second kid. Um, But in 2005, when I was five years old, uh, my my paternal grandmother was diagnosed with six months to live. She had cancer, and it wasn't looking good. And so she made it an immaculate effort to try and really reach out and see if I really was her sons and if I if they could claim ownership of me because she didn't have much time left. And so if I was hers, she wanted to spend as much time as me as she with me as she could. And so. um, Sorry, I got the jitters. (laughs) Um. So she reached out to my mom and she got in contact and they were just like, so this is the situation and stuff like that. We would like to meet him. So I met them and we got to know each other and uh, a trust was built eventually and they were able to reach out and get in contact with my father and I was able to take a trip out to Oregon where he was living at the time. And I went and spent a couple days there, and we got to know each other. And as soon as I saw him, I knew I was in love with him because not like, you know, like father and son. Sorry, I'm awkward. (laughs) Uh, But either way, uh, as soon as I saw him, I knew I was unconditionally in love with him. And I knew that that was my father and I knew that that is who he was. And so I ran full force into his arms, jumping up and down and I just couldn't leave him alone. I had so many questions. One of my main questions was, why is my legal first name Thomas? Like, did you have any sort of like 
uh, saying that. And what was brought to my attention and eventually was realized as I got older, rather than at that moment, he kind of like pushed that off to the side. Um, but it was later brought up in, in my visitation and custody battle with the two parents, uh, is that that was the third person who was involved. My mother was actually cheating on my father with a man named Thomas. And so she thought I was his and named me after him. And so obviously that's why I go by Brayden and I also go by Stanton, not Lawrence, because I tend to side with my paternal side of my family rather than my maternal, but um, it's okay. Um, so as we continue to progress with building relationships with both my father and my paternal grandparents, uh, as I started to get more freedoms per se and more of like a a sense of what life is like doing what you want when you can of course within reason uh, <laughs> but um, I just started pushing back a little bit more and I was just like why why are you limiting me in the way that you are and so me and my mother ended up actually having a little bit of a falling out a lot actually um, and it, the visitation got set and there was an actual like schedule of how things went two weeks of each month in the summer break of school and at least two weekends in each month during school. And so that was established and we were following it and it was fine. Um, but my mother started to realize and perceive that I would be a little bit more, uh, not necessarily full on aggressive, but like kind of more less lenient to follow her rules and stipulations whereas I was trying to be a person and learn my life experiences the way I learned them just like how everyone learns their life experiences through living them and learning like oh that was a bad thing I really shouldn't have done that uh anyways moving on <laughs> Uh, learning from those experiences and taking in what you've learned and preventing them in future experiences. Uh, and so that was not kept very well. And so it actually meant moved on to a custody dispute where it was my father was wanting and I was wanting for him to claim full custody of me rather than my mother containing that. And it started with a big fight that me and my mother had in the car as we were driving to take my sisters to dance res uh, rehearsal uh, out in rural Shelley, Idaho. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that area, but it's very wheat fields and potato fields. And that's it. <laughs> it's like one highway going down the entire area. That's it. Either way, we were getting into that argument and it was getting very heated as we continued to go on and to the point where I had no kind of emotional release to the point where I was, I even like punched the, the car door and was just like, I'm so angry. And she just like yelled at me and was like, don't punch my car. Like, don't do that. And like was getting kind of verbally aggressive and was more name calling rather than scolding as a as a mother and so as soon as we got there I as soon as the car was put in park I threw myself out of the vehicle and I walked straight into the field not turning back not even glancing back just walking straight into the field texting my maternal grandmother and was like hey we had a really big situation take place I need you to come get me because I'm not going to go home 
And so she came down the highway and she came and got me and I ended up actually staying with her for about a week. And then once that week was over, we're like, okay, let's try and settle things and try and go back to our normal life. And as soon as I went back home, less than 24 hours, we got into another fight. This one was in an enclosed space in our home. And so we got very like close and in each other's faces. It actually ended up turning into a shoving match. And so I eventually pushed her off of me and I went to leave and she was like grasping at my clothes and stuff like that. And I just, I just kept going and I just left and I left, went back to the school where some of my friends were. And we ended up walking to one of my friend's house. And as we were walking there, I texted my father, my maternal grandmother, my paternal grandmother, and was just like, so this is the situation. And my father was like, awesome. I'm going to get in contact with the police, given that there is a custody dispute going on right now. We have to put this in record. Well, by the time they finally got to me, they had already talked to my mother and determined that I was guilty of battery and runaway. And so they arrested me and I was put into juvenile hall for the night, which of course infuriated and enraged my father to no end. So he was working nights at the time and he ended up actually um, getting someone to cover his shift and he drove the four hours from Boise, Idaho to Idaho Falls, Idaho in the middle of the night. And as soon as he got there and in the next morning I had an arraignment and the judge was like, okay, you need to go with your paternal grandparents until this is over, which will be probably near the end of your school year. And so that's where he put me in the custody of place. I was put on probation. I had to go to anger management and all sorts of stuff like that. And so I ended up staying there until summer when they determined that and finally got all the nitty gritty details of legal stuff figured out and custody got switched over to my father. And so I finished my high school with my father here in Boise and now I'm an adult and I live on my own. I live with my fiance and my roommates and I couldn't be more happier. And I'm actually very glad the way things turned out. And honestly, I wouldn't be the same person as I am today if things had gone a little bit differently. And so as though as traumatizing as it was, I'm still okay with it. And I'm okay with the person that I am. And I would just like to thank you all for letting me share my story. And thank you for being here. And to my family members who are at home, thank you for watching. And thank you. Enjoy the rest of your game show. <laughs>We're going to move to our second featured storyteller. And, you know, the way Story Story Night works is it's open to anybody to become a storyteller. You just submit to story at storystorynight.org with your story idea. Hopefully you've looked at the themes and you kind of have an idea of how it might fit in with the theme. If not, we'll work with you. So we have people who submit to us uh, story ideas. And then we also do some recruitment. And our next storyteller, this is her first time on the Story Story Night stage, and it's someone that I recruited because, uh, well, she has made a career out of family feuds, uh, both managing them and preventing them, and so it seemed like the perfect feature for a show called Family Feud. She is the founder and CEO of Weavorce, headquartered here in Boise, Idaho. Please welcome to the Story Story Night stage, Michelle Crosby. Thank you, Dirty. 
for the invite and where to begin. Um, so the holidays are almost here. And in my line of work, I get to study lots of modern family dynamics. And I know that from today to New Year's, each one of us is going to make 1.5 million decisions. That's a lot of stress. And that statistic is even before you consider that we're living through a pandemic. We have 89 million children out of school right now. Oh, and then the holiday thing, you know, with relationship stress, siblings, what are we going to do? Mom, dad, in-laws, all of these components are heading in to what I call a family feud season like we have never seen before. The one thing I know about family feuds is that there are always three components. The first is someone has to have a really strong will. The second is someone has to have a temper, and then there have to be really strong opinions. I learned about the impact of these three elements uh, from my son, who came home one day from kindergarten and having one of those tantrums that just wouldn't quit it was kind of that first moment as a mother where I realized I wasn't always going to be able to fix it. He was choosing hard. I mean, this was a tantrum that he wasn't going to let go of. And so all I could think to say was, how can I help? He said, I just need some time alone, Mom. I said, OK. So as I left, I said, just let me know when you're ready to talk. It wasn't too much longer before I heard a little voice say, Mom, Mom. I'm ready to talk. So I walked back upstairs, sat on the edge of his bed, and I said, what happened, buddy? He took a big sigh, and he said, well, Mom, I just had one of those three-tier kind of days. I thought for a minute, and I thought, what's a three-tier kind of day, buddy? And he said, you know, Mom, when you cry all three kinds of tears in one day, okay? well, what's the first kind of tears? And he said, those are brain tears. I said, well, what's a brain tear? And he said, well, those are the tears you keep inside when you don't want the big kids to see you crying. Well, I said, you know, I think I might have cried some brain tears today, buddy. And he looked at me with this look of like a little bit of relief that even grown-ups cry brain tears. So I said, well, what happens next? What's the next kind of tears? And he said, well, those are the tears that fall when you can't hold back the brain tears anymore. I said, I, I know those tears too. I said, okay, what's the last kind of tears? And he goes, well, those are the nutso-futso tears when you just lose it. <laughs> and I said, uh, I know that phase too. This story kind of leads me to the point of all the trends we watch is that 63% of Americans are reporting a nutso-futso kind of stress, a stress level that's so extreme that brain cells are dying. So this got me to wondering, how could we help families this holiday season stress less so that they might enjoy the holidays a little bit more? I'm, I'm blessed right now, Brayden's story hits home closely. And right now, I feel really blessed to live in a frictionless family. But it hasn't always been this way for us. 
It's taken a lot of practice and a lot of conversations to get here. And those three impacts, those three elements, have haunted me in my family, in my friendships, and even in some of my work relationships. I've had to dig deep, kind of trying to understand these patterns that kept showing up in my decision making, that kept co-creating these feuds in my life. So, like anything I try to understand, I started studying it. And I love family dynamics. That's why I went to law school. That's why I went to Harvard and studied conflict management. I then was accepted to Y Combinator. It's a tech acceler accelerator in Silicon Valley. And I started developing decision archetypes and predictive analytics on a theory that if we could just get the right interve intervention into a family conflict at the right time, we could save them from a nutso-futso kind of family feud to maybe more of a frictionless decision-making. So each one of us has a decision-making archetype. And there are five components to a good decision. But human nature is to kind of work within our strengths, maybe not get stressed and stretch too far. So we tend to rely on two to three of the five components it takes. Because of this habit, we can often find ourselves in a gap between us and a frictionless relationship, forgetting that what's comfortable for us might make some, someone else uncomfortable. So with this work, of decision archetypes under my belt, I got to work testing them. So to give you an example, I am a gambler decision archetype. <laughs> um, as Kenny Rogers might say, I know when to hold them and I know when to fold them. As a gambler, I'm very intuitive. I tend to make gut reactions. I don't think again about them and then I move on. <sighs> the shadow of this is that in many of my relationships, I can be seen as maybe not going slow enough to consider how other people feel. This has caused quite a few feuds in my relationships. So what I've had to learn to do is to exercise the other two components. So it's why we started WeVorce. And today we help over 408, we help families make 480 billion decisions each year. We have created a forum and become the front page of Heartbreak with even more families than Reddit coming to ask us for advice. Since the pandemic started, we have been watching feud trends. The number one question that we have right now in the forum is, he won't leave, now what? Hmm. Followed by 147,000 people have asked me a very, or us, a very personal question of how long a marriage can go without sex. We were watching these trend lines before New York Times announced even today that we are heading towards a baby bust, that family feuds are breaking down the next generation. So, it's the holidays, and I want to ask each one of you to take a challenge with me to have a stressless holiday. And if you really want to double down on this, I'm going to ask you to take out your phone and open the text app. No one's taking out their phone. This is a big deal. Everyone's doing better than the average American. OK, I see some phones. OK, so you're going to take out your phone, and you're going to open your text app. 
My name, again, is Michelle Crosby. And I want you to text me. My phone number, are you ready? Is 208-213-8850. And if you send me a text, I'm going to help you get through this holiday season a little bit stress-less. I'm going to send you a quiz that's going to help you determine your divorce archetype so that you can navigate any family feud that you might wander into this holiday season. So, this season is like none we've ever seen before. It is more intense and a little more insane than anything we've seen. We call it 2020, and it is the year that we can't wait to be over. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Michelle. Boy, when I heard that her son's response to how was your day was it was kind of a three-tier day, I was like, this is some son of a CEO kind of stuff going on. Like, pretty soon he's going to be asking how can we scale this up and stuff like that. I was like, whoa. So I was very relieved to hear that he was talking about actual tears. That was very sweet. That was very sweet. Um, and of course, you know, this uh, story shows up in our podcast and stuff later. Uh, and so you might be getting calls now for, I don't know, the next couple of years. Uh, people needing help with that one millionth and one millionth decision. Uh, boy, some of those. You know, what's funny for me with making decisions is often the bigger ones I am okay with. But then I get to the point where I'm asked, like, what do you want for breakfast, cereal or eggs? And I am f frozen. I can't do it. I have no idea. I cannot answer that question. <laughs> I had a producer one time who wore black every single day, and I'd asked him about that one time, like, what's the deal with all the black every day? And he's like, yeah, I just don't want to have any brain space used on picking out my clothes. Uh, so that worked for him. Thank you for listening. Story Story Night is funded in part by the Idaho Commission on the Arts and the National Endowment for the Arts. Thank you to our media sponsor, Radio Boise. Podcast production is by Stephen Baldessari. Support this podcast by texting STORYPOD to 44321. Find out how to participate in our live show at www.storystorynight.org or visit us on Facebook. I'm Jody Eichelberger. Thanks for being a part of our story.